0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Human Source Codex uh, brought to you by Taurus Consulting and the Taurus Foundation Group. My name is Kelly Stewart and today I will be speaking with the lovely Nicole Donaldson. Um, I'm not going to introduce Nicole because we're just going to roll on into this podcast and you will discover why we are going to refrain from introductions. So welcome, Nicole, Like, and thank you for joining me on the Human Source
1: Code. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much. Really, really pleased to be here with you. It's a great, great morning to do it too.
0: It is a beautiful morning actually up here on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. We both have the opportunity to to be close to the beach or close to the water right now, which is, uh, I always find that that's really comforting and grounding for the soul to be around those negative ions and to take some space to be in nature. And what a beautiful place to be um, on this part of the world right now. Cool. Well, I just want to dive on in. Um, Nicole and I have been colleagues and also friends for I don't know how many years. I don't know how many years now. (laughs) No, and uh, that's totally irrelevant anyway. But um, we both share a background in human behaviour integration uh, and also we could say transformational work. We Mm -hmm. could label it whatever whatever you want to label it. Could label
1: it or we couldn't label it. (laughs) Exactly. So this is going to go
0: straight on in. Today we're going to be talking about labels and what labels actually mean to the human construct or the human experience. Mm. So let's just dive on in. Let's just get this happening.
1: Where do we start, Kelly? Oh my gosh, there are so many labels. There are so many labels. Can Can I start with something that maybe Mm -hmm. is just an overarching thing that isn't um from a point of wisdom but it's Mm -hmm. just from a point of uh you know like attention to the issue so i'll often say to myself and even clients when i notice the labeling labels belong on clothing and food (laughs) jars (laughs) not on people
0: and yes with ingredients and instructions right yes (laughs) and hang on a minute, were you born with a label when you popped out of your mum's tummy? Well, I suppose the label female. Mm. Did it come with a set of instructions? Yeah. Well, no, you don't get that, do you? (laughs) No. No, not at all. Not at all. I totally agree. Like labels, yeah, they definitely do belong just on jars and on clothing Mm. to give instructions and with a list of ingredients. Um, Yeah. It's an interesting concept how we've actually become in the human experience attached to identity
1: forms of labelling. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, uh, now, he, here's the interesting thing. Like, as you say that, and whenever I do think about this, I do reflect back and I wonder, have people always done this? Is this part of our... Innate human nature that we we need to categorize, we need to label. And if I go back to my educational training, so I'm a former um, teacher, and um, obviously still got my bachelor of education. But um, you know, anywhere, when when, when that doesn't go anywhere, I've still got that. I've still got that label. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, what we learn, so understanding that um, when humans learn something, when they're learning for the new time, for the first time. We create a schemata in our mind, right? And that, so so they say, I mean, I'm I'm a brand new grandmother of, you know, like five, five week old baby. So I'm very much in this phase, albeit from a great distance at the moment. Um, But, and there's another label, grandmother. What does that mean? Yeah. Anyway, let's not go there. Um, So, as as my grandchild and every child that comes on the planet and as, as they're developing, they're going to be learning through the absorption of words and well sounds that, you know, words uh, that are attached to things, be it mum or dad or a dog, you know, all these sorts of things. And they start to form schemata and understanding. Um, so let's say, for example, the family has a dog and it's always there's the dog and the dog has a name maybe, but they'll understand, they'll gradually understand that this furry thing with four legs is a dog. Yeah. So that's a label. We get that. But then a cat gets introduced to the family, but now the cat gets labeled as dog because to the child, it's furry. It's got four legs. It, you know, it looks very, very similar. Okay, and so that is the whole thing about schemata. We need a we you know it's called a hook to hang something on, mm-hmm. but gradually over time, we begin to um distill that, oh, that's not a dog, that's a cat. but then what happens if you see a raccoon? You know what I mean? So you start to see that you know we've got these labels, and maybe they have always been there, but we don't just use labels for. Nouns and naming mm. things. We where you and I work is in the world where we're labeling uh, and we see a lot of labeling of people based on various groupings of traits or absence of specific traits that are admired or despised. And that's when I think I speak for me, but I know I believe I speak, you know, with your understanding as well. We go, whoa, this is not helpful. <laughs> Or is it?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating um, looking at the you know the cause and effect or the 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 concept of what actually how did labels come into creation to give meaning to to things right or meaning mm. to meaning and understanding to to we could say things everything um, not just like physical objects to feelings to emotions mm. to. Uh, Ways of expression, repressions, etc. But it, what I'd really love to dive down the rabbit hole is is um, the the limiting belief systems of what labelling actually can cause in mm-hmm. in humanity, and um, and I guess we look at the int te- the intention behind giving a label, and then. The expression of your, uh, you know, the one that you feed, right? The one that you give the most Mm. power to is potentially what you do become, relative to the belief system or the label that you may be, uh, you know, labelling yourself for being under. And my, you know, myself over time, as you could say, like you started out potentially as a school teacher, but still you're just Nicole, uh, a woman. Mm girl when you first came but over time there's been this evolutionary uh, transportation of development for you to become mm. into becoming as a being No, that's mm. ontology we could go down that rabbit hole which i would love but we won't um so <laughs> as you <laughs> <laughs> as you actually in, in transformation into becoming you mm. have these multiple different aspects of who you have been, but you still mm. are that because you're not transcending that label. Like nature pours a vacuum. It never actually gets rid of anything. It just adds layers on top, right? Mm-hmm. And so I find myself like when I had out my business cards where people ask me like, what do you do? I'm in that moment of like, oh, God, yes. <sighs> how do who I explain is? this <laughs> how do I explain this you know like yes this person wants a label to give meaning to mm. potentially who who we may be or who I am but am I just that well no I'm not right mm-hmm. so yeah. I like to have fun with that like who would you like me to be today right for you <laughs> relative oh we're to role-playing you? are we Kelly that's <laughs> <laughs> And on and my business card, like I specifically do not have a label on it. And then after yeah. the conversation, I'll say, you can label me whatever you choose to relative to who you perceive mm. I may be. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so it is an interesting construct that we have been conditioned throughout, throughout humanity and time to, to give ourselves or to be given these particular labels. And it's not mm. only in the professional world, You know, you you and I have both had um, experiences with, let's just say, like an overarching label of uh, ASD, Mm -hmm. which is um, labelling a person in a proclivity to have an expression of form, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is made up of a subset of traits. And like we'll go down that rabbit hole in a little bit, but um, if we look at the the relevance of labelling, let's just call it giving something an identity and how it actually serves a person, but it's also limiting as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is that double edged sword. We don't Mm -hmm. get one side without Mm -hmm. the other. And maybe the sword isn't the right analogy, but certainly um, there's drawbacks and benefits to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, in my experience, if you are negatively wired towards um, or you have a negative perception about that particular label that you're labelling somebody else, you'll end up not seeing the benefits of that. Mm. And, of course, if you are, we know, you know, again, if you are um, positively wired towards really liking that particular label (laughs) then you're not going to see the downsides of it and and that's where you know we don't have the full awareness and we're not really tuning into and understanding and this is where as you said the limitations are coming Mm. but actually understanding both sides breaking the label and actually just being in deep understanding and awareness of Mm. the wholeness of Mm. either that person that thing So that we can not put them into that category that we either admire or despise and purely leave them there. But we can, you know, John says it and we all say it, but really genuinely put them in our heart Mm. and feel, you know, we expand. That helps our heart. (laughs) You know, it's not just being of benefit to them. It's actually opening us up. And then we are becoming more of our true selves.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? This the law of reflection reflection and transparency is, mm. is when when you have like a negative belief system of something that may be occurring for you or in front of you that you're labelling as good or bad or bad. So then in that it's relevant to look at potentially what, what is inside of you that you haven't learned to love yet, right? And mm, actually sending you that reflection to dive deeper into uh, owning that trait within yourself. Now, Mm -hmm. what we're talking about here is this, is traitology. And I love to actually utilize this is because when we realize that um, labels are a limiting component of our perceptions. And so we want to be able to pigeonhole something and to be giving it relevance or meaning to it. But we realise inside of a label, there's subsets inside of that particular label. And uh, so we call this a subset of traits that actually make up the overarching label that you are giving a name to. But when we break it down into the parts, we realise through the trait expression or repression, that which we call traitology, is that each person on this planet has all of the traits in the expressional form and the repressional form. And it's relevant in when it's expressed or repressed, we could say introvert or extrovert is relevant to how we perceive life or how we believe life to be. And and that's also anchored to what we call our axiology or our value system. But you know, I've developed this thing, and you know, the thing about is I actually having a meta label which is beyond all labels Mm. where where we 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 will see that we are both things let's just Mm -hmm. use the word introvert or extrovert that we are we will use introversion and extroversion relevant to the moment that we're experiencing in time and space and relevant to how we're actually
1: uh perceiving life in that moment right Mm it's about context isn't it so much is about the context obviously the Mm -hmm. content's important but Mm -hmm. you know in some situations I will be a complete introvert I could see it I will just sit I will watch I will observe I will take it all in and people are like wow she's not very confident there's another label right because there's Mm -hmm. definitely there seems to be a link between somebody who's an extrovert must be automatically confident and if you're Quietly sitting back, you're an introvert, and oh you probably lack confidence, so you're not good enough. That's a yeah. whole other thing. But in another area, oh my gosh, you can't shut me up. I'm <laughs> I'm in my element. I'm extroverted. Um, you know, get me into where I'm speaking with others who, you know, you and I get together and we could just talk for hours. Um, I, I could teach for hours, you know, on the things I love to teach people on. But get me in a room full of people, you know, wearing a red dress for a ball for a fundraiser, I just (laughs) will clam up. (laughs) It's just not me, Um, Mm. you know, but I'm there. So, yeah, introversion, extroversion.
0: Yeah. Interesting one. It is very interesting when you start to open up and conceptualise it in that form. And, you know, is that where the heart opens? Because when you can go to that meta label, beyond the label, and you become the observer and you start to realise, you know, potentially if you're, you're in a communication or um, a space with another person, you start to realise that they're expressing or repressing relative to where they are in space in the moment, mm, right? What is, yeah. what is their life demonstrating for them or, or not? Like mm. this, this morning I had a conversation um, like with a very good friend who is labelled ASD Mm -hmm. and um so inside of that he has become the label and that's his relevance on how he chooses to actually you know become animated in form in life but I got supercharged in that so I became very introverted or I became resentful to the expression of what he was delivering and you know I stopped in the moment and I was like okay um, so what is it that I'm actually disliking in this moment and mm-hmm. what is he, what is he specifically doing to me that I'm labeling, um, mm-hmm. resentful, right? Yeah, and yeah. it, it, and I have broke it down into the specific components and then was able to determine that he was, um, he was, he was being inconsiderate, Right. That mm-hmm. was my label. That was my label of what he, uh, my expression or expectation that mm-hmm. I disliked. Yeah, it's what well, you were in judgment of at that moment in exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. So the label creates judgments and comparisons, right? Mm-hmm. On how we have expectations of life and how it should mm-hmm. be, right? But and then I was like, okay, where have I been inconsiderate? Because it's the reflective component that's showing up. So owning that particular trait and seeing how will I do that yeah and it's 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 just an expressional form that mother nature mm-hmm. god or universe has given us to be able to utilize in mm. any given time in moment right absolutely the, mm. the interesting thing is um after that conversation you know like I I went away and I Nicole but Nicole and I both work in this interesting uh uh, form of integration where we can take these traits and we we be able to actually see what we're talking about here and we bring it to a place of where our heart opens and we can love and see the service of everything that happens to us and for us. So I did that. And mm. then he called me, right? Yeah. And
1: he... <laughs> wow. Spooky action <laughs> at a distance. Yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was in the form of judgment of me uh perceiving that he was being inconsiderate then looking at where not not actually looking at where he was actually coming from and being able to ask the questions of and so he he let me know relative to his values what he was experiencing so therefore me labeling him as being inconsiderate, you know just completely washed away because i didn't have enough Mm. data really behind it but i formed the judgment relative to my
1: my um perception of the way that he was expressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, and again, I'll come back to in that moment, mm-hmm. maybe in another moment, <laughs> you might not mm-hmm. have judged and labelled, right? So it's, all, it's also relative to where are we in that moment and what, mm-hmm. what are we suppressing? So mm-hmm. what is the other expressing that we're perhaps suppressing that also then is triggering us because there's <laughs> exactly. a part of us that we're not acknowledging that would really love to express in that form? exactly you know it's so much from... easier to label <laughs>
0: <laughs> in vector dynamics like right there and it is so much easier to label because we're lazy sometimes There's another label <laughs> <laughs> that's right oh they do that and they do that i never yeah, do yeah, that <laughs> yeah yeah that's it that's it so if, if we if we look at um if we look at the labeling that is uh prevalent in society today we can go into the to the health system And um, look at the narrative that people are are actually starting to become and starting to, you know, really attach to. And um, I'm going to say it, you know, it it seems to be creating a lot of victim mentality around being something or saying, you know, like, I can't be that, I can't do that because I have CP, uh, you know, CPSD. I can never say that when it comes. PTSD um, PTSD yeah yeah complex I'm talking about complex Oh I'm sorry
1: yes the complex post traumatic stress disorder yeah. yes, yes absolutely mm-hmm. post
0: traumatic stress disorder or PTSD and mm-hmm. and I find that that's one overarching label that has uh, a bunch of subsets of traits mm. on what actually makes yeah, that up yeah right? to doubt yeah yes and and then if you if you look at um, you know both of us have actually had the experience of of ASD and mm. and then recently, like myself being in that that relationship with somebody with Asperger's and and what I did find was Asperger's is an overarching label that mm-hmm. also has a subset of traits in there. Yeah, and every form of those expressional traits inside of ASD, I could find where I mm-hmm. express them or had actually yep. been uh, had actually expressed them at some point mm-hmm. or impressed them at some point in time. So does that make me mm. ASD? Potentially, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So mm. it's it's you know, what are you what do you think about those particular things? Because I know that you also have yeah. experience of
1: being within that as well. Look massively and it's it's one of those things that um yeah where do I start with this one what do I think about those things again well first of all let me say yes absolutely first of all let me say like everything there is a double-edged sword with this there are benefits there are drawbacks so having a di let's call it diagnosis because essentially if you um are labeled um you know asd then generally Mm -hmm. speaking you've you've had a diagnosis you 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 know and and the same with cptsd or ptsd Mm -hmm. um, you know any you know um, bipolar all of those things Mm -hmm. There, generally you've had a a diagnosis now there would be people on the planet walking around just like you said kelly when you when you break down those spectrum disorders Mm -hmm. as, as they're called Mm-hmm. You can have a look at those specific traits within those um, perceived disorders and you can say, wow, I have actually done that at some or even multiple points and times in my life, depending on the content and the context of the situation <laughs> as to what that triggered. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so whether I expressed or repressed myself in that moment um. And you can actually, when you start to look into the finer tuning components of these, um, I'm going to continue to call them disorders, because if you go into the manual, that's what they considered. Mm -hmm. If you look into the finer components, you could actually almost go to every single disorder and go, oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, I recognize myself in that. Now, you will do that if you are Mm -hmm. a self-reflective and perhaps even self-aware person. There are some people who refuse to see in themselves any of these things. They are completely blind. I mean, you know, we would look at them as being extremely polarised. They cannot see anything in themselves um, in in that way or form. But for those who get down this path of understanding that as human beings, we're either suppressing or expressing or repressing or expressing a, a particular trait at any moment in time, but they're all there. Mm -hmm. We have all of them, Mm -hmm. you know, but I can tell you there are times when I have expressed completely in a manner that would have somebody feel or think or believe at that moment in time that I was completely psychotic. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Like they would go, she's having a breakdown, right? But every, but I actually don't know many people when I, when you get to talk to them and you really know them or you've seen them who haven't had some form. Or expression of a psychotic moment in inverted commas. Okay, exactly, exactly.
0: You know, relative, and it's to- losing your
1: shit in a massive way. You're just yeah, your that- nervous system's done. Your everything's done. Yeah, it's the I'm in done with this moment, right? <laughs>
0: and the hands up if you're listening to this and you have been in that particular way of being you know i guarantee everybody that's listening to put their hands up because every person on this planet has lost their shit at some point in time right where they've gone to gone to the spectrum of uh like being a psychopath or being schizophrenic in some form and being able to bring themselves into a state of you know which is where we usually like completely have a rage out moment Mm -hmm. you know like yell scream cry you know all of those things We might sort of you know like really have that heart Mm -hmm. deep sobbing (laughs) (laughs) that kind of thing and then sometimes give ourselves permission to really like rage out and scream right Mm -hmm. guaranteed every person
1: on the planet has done that at some point in time well let me tell you kelly Every person has because every person has been one to eight years old at some point. Every person has gone through childhood. Every person has had that tanty that the parents just look at them and go, what the hell caused that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? (laughs) What They're throwing themselves back on the floor, banging their head, kicking their legs. You know, you're in the middle of the supermarket and everyone's telling you what a bad mother you are. (laughs) Meanwhile, you're like, I have no idea where this came from. (laughs) You know? So in in, in
0: that, you know, there's a label that that from this, take that example, you know, you're on the floor in the supermarket, you're having a two-year-old tantrum, like as a child tantrum. So even child tantrums is a label. Mm. And then there's an expectation of form for the the way that we perceive or we should be living as human beings. The other day I did a a teaching and um, it was on the essence of um, the eight principles of, of human beings and how they actually came into from being into becoming and then from becoming back into being, you know, a bit deep in philosophical mm, construct. Beautiful. Yeah. But I realised that the word human being is probably not one that works too well. And the word homo sapien, homo means man, sapien mm. means wise, right? So wise mm. man. And so the wisdom in, throughout the ages and, um, you know, Plato talked a lot about the theories of forms and, and how us and the human construct actually gave it labels. Uh, but in the essence of us as a being, we're all the same. So mm-hmm. what then changed, mm. the, changed the expectations of us as homo sapiens, the wise man, to become a human being and start to actually live inside other people's expectations so this is where Mm. subordination um starts to actually impose or inject upon us as 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 the pure essence of a human being and and we start to you know either move towards or move away from these particular things so Mm. uh the the two-year-old tantrum on the floor in the supermarket and the scowls from everybody watching saying uh, get control of your child you know Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be having that experience uh you know you're a bad mother what what the hell
1: you know (laughs) that's right (laughs) in my day they'd have (laughs) come to smack on the bottom well that's really going to help isn't it yeah yeah. (laughs) it might be a pattern interrupt but we're not going to (laughs)
0: exactly (laughs) but it it is then we break it down into the pure essence of cause and effect is that um Mm. we we start to actually live inside other people's expectations relative to their value systems and their belief systems of the labels that they're attached to or the versions or the expressions or the comparisons of what their identity is. Yes. Yeah. So So if you have yourself on a pedestal as a great mother and your child's having the, the tantrum or if you're a parent of an ASD who's having a rage out moment, then there'll be judgment to you from outside sources yeah Mm. of you know labeling you as in the spectrum as being Mm -hmm. a bad mother
1: that's right but
0: in the pure essence of it's just a form of expression that mother nature made up of traits has given each each human being or each homo sapien on this planet to utilize relative Mm. to to that moment in time
1: that yeah was medical, it? No, that, yeah it was I, and I'm just you know I'm sitting here going wow yeah I'm gonna have to listen back to this recording but you know yeah you're, you're absolutely you you say things in such a way that you know is is so mind-blowing and I guess I I come back to um, speaking in my own form so there's um, you know that's the beauty isn't it of we we yeah. have and this is this, you know it's not labeling one good or bad or, or not good enough and all those sorts of things I was reflecting back on you know your question around um, ASD and uh, and we for the, and we're for speaking the listeners, for the listeners we speaking with this because we both there, have do, this in our lives. Yeah. For the
0: for the listeners out there, do you want
1: to um, just let them know what ASD? Yeah, is sure. So it, sure. So the label ASD, whether you you know you may or may not know this, is autistic spectrum disorder. Um, and so uh, being a spectrum disorder, there's a whole range of how people may um, show up or experience, rather, that um, that grouping of traits, uh, but widely accepted when you know when somebody goes to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist for a, a diagnosis or to help understand themselves, perhaps they don't feel. they're fitting in or perhaps they've always had a difficulty with expressing themselves or you know um, understanding things that in different ways and the thing is that you you cannot even label this in itself because um, you understand that within these spectrum disorders if you imagine um what is it where you've got music and they've got those equalizers and they've got all those different you know you've got your Mm. bass and your treble and your thinking if you imagine Thank you. Is it a synthesizer? Okay, well, whatever, let's use that as an analogy. So if Mm -hmm. you imagine you've got a synthesizer set, and it could have, I don't know, 100 dials on it. And each of those dials can be dialed up or dialed down. A spectrum disorder has all of those components in it. I mean, this is why Can I swear, Kelly, or not? Yeah, go for it. Oh, okay. Totally Um, free-flowing on my podcast. Okay, all right. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Okay, (laughs) brilliant, because that's the word I'm going to use, right? To Uh, me, it can be so fucked, right? Because, excuse me, I'm not saying there are 100 uh, specific traits in ASD. I'm just using a visual. Now, imagine that you've got this uh, this bank of um, levels and levers and... That's all labeled ASD, that all of these components might be in there, but those levels and levers may be dialed down to zero. They may be up to a 10. They may be at a three. They may be at a four. And each of them is actually individually at different levels for different people, okay? But collectively, we've then got, well, this person fits under the umbrella of ASD, now, this is where we were saying previously, when you look at those individual traits that are every single one at one of those levers, at some points I may have, you know, and you and everybody else has been a zero on that specific thing. At other times, there have been a two, a three, a ten, right? Mm-hmm. Um, collectively, obviously, is where we we come to then sort of label. And we can see some people... Um, who have common traits like there are sometimes my husband and I will say huh maybe as some asd going on over there so I we like I put my hand up we can kind of you know you spot it you got it so you know there's no doubt (laughs) that's going on here too I love that you spot it you got it so guys remember that you spot it you got it Mm -hmm. the interesting thing is I have to say whilst there is um, perhaps a judgment in the sense of understand an awareness of it's done with curiosity and i'm not making me right over someone else who's wrong there's a there's a you know there's a huge difference between judging and rejecting Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and um because we judge everything we judge the day how's the weather today we judge you know, how do I feel this morning before I get out of bed? Do I want to go for a run? Do I want some yoga or am I just going to go straight into a coffee? <laughs> right. So we, we use it, you know, it's a, it's a form of discernment really, when we're looking mm. at it um, through, through a curiosity lens. Um, you know, I, I, I will openly state it, you know, we have a child who an adult child who is diagnosed ASD amongst other things. And, um, he definitely did not fit into the stereotypical school system that was um or the standard i should say school system um, and that was something as a teacher that of course i found a little challenging because i love education i wanted my children to have the best education i wanted to create stability for them uh, oh the irony and um <laughs> You know, and then here was this kid that was just different. He was different when he was little. He was just different the whole way along. Now, does difference mean deficient? No. No, (laughs) that's right. However, when you show up as not fitting into the broad spectrum, the standard spectrum of what is expected, what is idealised, what society has come to understand, as the form of behaviour mm. that we expect to see from a four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old child at school in the school system. This is when, you know, we, we start to see the need and the um, desire to label them in some way to find out, you know, hopefully it's coming okay. initially from, well, why are they doing that? What's going on? And isn't it interesting that
0: that's when the label starts of abnormal, and as we know, mm-hmm. with ASD it becomes atypical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's from that moment they're actually uh, ostracized out of mm. the class of being human being in some form. Mm. Right?
1: Yeah. And and I can see from the school perspective that there was a desire to. Um, say help support and provide perhaps some additional support for needs that weren't particularly being met by um, the general class teacher Mm -hmm. however what that did was clearly identify to other children group of your peers that this child is different now I'm not just speaking about my experience this is um, very common and you know having been around a lot of parents have gone through this, and it may not just be with ASD. I mean, you can have a child with physical disabilities um, who need additional needs, be it a wheelchair, crutches, um, you know, callipers on their legs, glasses. I mean, you know, you, you look at this, as soon as there is something that separates an individual out from the pack, that they are different in some way, this is when we can start to see how the labels become limiting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love that that's a beautiful way of actually describing uh, describing
0: the limiting aspects of projective uh expectations mm. and the inability to be able to you know conceptualize uh what I would call differentiation and individuation right mm. and the laws of reflection and transparency too as well and living inside other people's belief systems right so the separation of form uh, relative to, you know, let's just say, we like ASD and not being able to fit into a, a model, a model of mm-hmm. classroom or teaching, then mm-hmm. basically is going to create that person to be ostracized out of that and labelled as being Absolutely. different right? or Absolutely. atypical, mm-hmm. and and you know being in this myself to and being, have being in a relationship with somebody with ASD and seeing this and experiencing it firsthand, um, it, it does come back to the belief systems of, and I, I love to question, you know, this person is still a human being that's just made up of a subset of traits that's choosing to actually express them relative to where their values are and their sense of meaning and belief in that moment and so then the judgment of form is from expectations or standards from what governments mm-hmm. from other people's value projections being upon them and, and interesting i was just thinking is the word diagnosis right mm-hmm. day dear and mm-hmm. gnosis means to mm-hmm. have direct experience and, and full knowledge so again if you think about that you know like in the moment which could be any given day you're going to have be experiencing subsets of traits relative to that moment in time but yet we find ourselves as human being like having to put these constrictions upon to put people into boxes to make them mm-hmm. fit our belief yeah. systems which to me is so limiting mm-hmm. and um it creates a heightened sense of divide, a heightened totally. sense of differentiation, yeah. and this mm-hmm. is where we talk about spectrum, the yeah. spectrum yeah. of um, judgment from, let's just say, a neurotypical person. You know, mm-hmm. so this is the reflective component, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 yeah. So the spectrum relative to their perceptions as being neurotypical. And the judgment placed upon an atypical person still using labels because Mm -hmm. most people are actually normal uh, thinking about is they've got to give meaning to these particular things. But instead of being able to look at, hmm, what's the benefit of this particular person being a little bit different in differentiation Mm. and as an individual and not seeing that differentiation and individuation are not separated. Mm. They're one and
1: the same this is it you know every single one of us Mm -hmm. is different Mm -hmm. there is difference in every single human being now obviously Mm -hmm. our brain probably works a lot better when it's able to broadly group together Mm -hmm. known things you know as we we said earlier and you know we're taking in what is it 50 million bits of information you know Mm -hmm. in, in every second so we have to be able to um you know, our brain has obviously evolved that way to do this. However, as intelligent human beings with the capacity to have curiosity and freedom of thought and to ask questions, to delve, to not just be at that animalistic level of you're different, therefore you're ousted from our community. You know, we, we have the potential to actually embrace these incredible differences. I mean, even when I, you know, formerly I was a nurse and, and, a t- and then I was a teacher many years later. And, you know, we, we used to talk about the patient as an individual. We talked about the child as an individual mm-hmm. and understanding that they have different needs. And yet our practice with that <laughs> is miles away. Mm-hmm. So we talk about, uh, the you know, individual individualizing, um, education, uh, uh, you know, of making things uh, easy ease of access for people with various differences. Now, whether it's auditory processing um, differences that, you know, may be a challenge, whether it's eyesight, whether it's hearing, uh, you know, different to auditory processing, but actual hearing problems, whether it's putting in a ramp in schools because you've got kids on crutches or in wheelchairs or Anything else? You know, we, we, go, we can go so far, but we don't yet seem to be able to go to the level of acceptance and inclusion of what I would call, although this isn't the right term, it's not my judgment of it, but almost the people who are perceived by the masses to be the outliers of society. Mm-hmm. And yet it's in those areas of the outliers, the one percenters, the two percenters, maybe the three to five percenters, that we find our geniuses, Mm. where we find our change makers, where we find the incredible rebels, perceived rebels of society who find a different way to do something. And I watched a show uh, many years ago on, uh, it was a BBC, I love BBC being English, formally I'm quite, but they do some fabulous programs. And it was actually on taking... Um, people with as diagnosed with asd and bringing them into working with horticulturalists and garden designers and they were actually utilizing the unique perspective and perceptions of people with asd to help them to design gardens in a way that has never ever been designed before i've got goosebumps just recalling it honestly like every every cell of my being is just like oh my gosh it was so inspirational and these neurotypical um you know successful garden designers were thoroughly blown away by what was created when when people who had differences you know asd being the ones that they were looking working with were able to actually express themselves and, mm-hmm. and and be included in something that was a beautiful, wonderful, creative process. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anybody to... I, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the name of the show, but if you just do some Googling for BBC, ASD garden or autism garden design, I don't know, something like that, um, you will be amazed. And this is the thing, the lens through which mm-hmm. they see, they understand the world. It is so different to a neurotypical lens through um you know yeah the the masses you know i'll come back to that sort of um you know the 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 bell curve you know where the majority sit in the in the center and we've created society for the masses we've created schooling for the masses well schooling was created so that you could have more workers let's face it Uh, so um but um we're just missing out. We are missing out on so much of the brilliant, beautiful, wonderful qualities mm-hmm. of lots of different people mm-hmm. because there may be six or seven or eight traits that show up more regularly and, and may appear to cause more challenge to people around them, but we're not seeing or understanding or even looking for the six to ten or even maybe 20 traits for which this person absolutely shines in their own unique way and we are missing out on those people
0: absolutely that's such a beautiful way of of describing that and i was quickly writing notes here because (laughs) i was like oh there's so much within all of that that i just love to be able to unpack and oh yeah i know is is the awareness of when we do place a label on somebody we're not able with consciousness to be able to look deeper into mm. the full aspect of the potentiality of what that human being is able to offer um, yeah. and we're in a place of judgment then relative to a we could say our conditioning and and um belief systems which everything's attached to and our identity form and um where the masses tend to actually be there and this is you know there's the philosopher Jeremy Bentham who which I like and dislike him at the same time because he was the wonderful creator of hedonism avoid pain Mm -hmm. to seek pleasure Mm -hmm. and to the separation of those particular things which is I perceive has actually driven people deeper into uh not taking the time or being able to to see deeper yeah into other human beings Mm. it's it's like oh they're just different like fuck that i'm just Mm -hmm. gonna they're weirdos or whatever that's right what are they doing is is really denying yourself the opportunity to to be Mm. able to really see the value in yes in these human beings and um and the savantism that is actually within which is another label which we all have Mm -hmm. an aspect of savantism if we want Mm -hmm. to actually go within deep into our genius and we all have the ability to be able to do that and we talk about the spectrum and um and this is something that i have noticed with not only like being in the relationship with somebody with asd but also working with them is that the genius of mm-hmm. them to actually go into like the microcosm of the universe and to be able to access a different layer of frequency and vibration and a layer of feeling that you know I might like, wow, you know, like yes. wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, somebody that myself that I've followed for a long period of time is Temple Grandin, oh, yes, and, and how she openly has created this beautiful system of working with cattle during Mm -hmm. their processing form because she was able to see in pictures Mm. and to think in pictures to be able to access that microcosm of of the sensory components that most of us have Mm. been desensitized to through the hedonism value yeah the hedonism way of being and then we become fearful of people that we label as different because Mm. oh my god you know we don't understand or comprehend what is or who they potentially are that's right so being able to open up your layers of awareness think go meta label beyond Mm. the label give yourself permission to with curiosity and wonder You know, Albert Einstein and Alan Watts were beautiful at depicting this, where there is no curiosity and wonder, you might as well just be dead, right? Yeah. And give yourself permission to be able to to go beyond the label with curiosity and wonder and seek that potential. I'm just going to call it potential Mm. because there's some beauty that lives there. And that's where the heart opens and you're able to... To become a true reflection mm. of a Homo sapiens. Love that. Man.
1: Love that, Kelly. Oh, just beautiful. Thank just you. beautiful. And um, gosh, I've got so many things going off in my head. It's almost like I want to sit in that moment of yeah, truth and wisdom. Because the thing is, when we label, we shut down and we limit, we're closing off. That that, is, and I think essentially that's kind of what you've shared and what you've said is the labeling is the boxing off it's the closing down it's the limiting Mm -hmm. if we're not coming from the perspective of seeking to understand of being more curious of delving into this is really interesting let me learn more let me Mm -hmm. find more let Mm -hmm. me experience let me lean into this Not so I can have more judgment and label you as different to me even further away, but actually to find you the essence, the pure pure essence of you within that. That is beautiful. And every single human being wants that. I mean, one of my earlier jobs, I've done so many things. I worked at a college for severely sensory and physically handicapped um, young adults. And they had had their schooling interrupted because they, uh, you know, they may have had cerebral palsy, um, muscular dystrophy. Um, They, uh, you know, some of them were, had been, one in particular had been shot accidentally um, uh, another one had had a uh, been run over on a car was walking home one night so their schooling whether they were 15 or whether they were 16 or 17 and doing you know o levels and a levels got interrupted they had to go and you know have some more hospital time or recovery time and then they came to this college um, where everyone was there to support them it was so so wonderful I was in my very early 20s and I absolutely loved it because it wasn't a label based on, um, oh, you've got cerebral palsy. We've got four other students with cerebral palsy. So you're all the same and you're over here. No, no. It was like, well, what are your specific needs? What are your, and, but then getting to know them as individuals. But this is one thing, right? Every single student had um, physical resources designed for them by our very own tech department who were their own range of bloody geniuses right and they would literally take these i'm calling them kids you know like some of them were 18 <laughs> and some were 20 some were you know and they would literally go you know how how long's your arm oh that wheelchair's no good for you like we're going to absolutely redesign and like they they were into these hacking You know, they were hacking these kids. They were hacking their bodies. Uh, You know, we had a student with no arms who was a mouth painter um, who, you know, had a a paintbrush designed specifically for him. We had so many things designed. And then each of those students, this is where understanding the specific needs of people and, you know, and, and leaning in from an understanding perspective is so important. Every single one of them were then able to express themselves much more fully and one of and their genius came out I think that's what I want to say there but if we just labeled them as well you've got cerebral palsy you're actually language is really not very good so you'll never be able to communicate now how about we give you a communication board Mm -hmm. or how about I mean we had everything from manual communication boards to digital tech I mean, this is early tech. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, this is 30 years ago, right? So it's how long I'm aging myself, um, you know, uh, and it was fantastic. And then you were like, suddenly, this was not a disabled person sitting in a chair that didn't have good communication skills. The genius of these people who were able to express themselves, whether it was through writing, mathematics, science, art all of it, I tell you, it is present in everyone. And this gave me such a, I wasn't a teacher at that point. This gave me such a desire to become a teacher after working with them. Uh, and also my own you know, life experiences and various things, but working so closely, and I was what was called an amanuensis. So I would go, I would work with students to help them to access all of their resources from libraries, in, in, in classrooms I would sit with them and I would sometimes I would do the manual writing because they couldn't write and then I would work with them afterwards and we would go through their notes and they would feed they would feed back to me and tell me they would I would write their essays with them for them manually I was the writing I was the hand they were the brain and it was in there yet can you imagine years before that, some of these students, one in particular, I recall her telling me, we were very good friends. I was so close in age to them. Were, we became drinking buddies and everything. It was fantastic. <laughs> but I remember one of them saying, I was left on the drain to die when I was born. This was still that stage. So this was in the uh, late, late late 80s, early 90s. So this was in the, we're talking in the 70s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. that disi- Physically disabled babies were being left on draining boards to die after birth. And my my own grandmother had that experience um, and her baby did die. Um, And that was where we were at. Oh, you're, you're not physically normal, but we don't just say physically normal, do we? We do it elsewhere too. And this, and this is what we're saying. I'm not, I'm not trying to take a diversion, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you can actually see the Mm -hmm. ripple effect of Mm -hmm. this, labeling people Mm. and if you don't fit within this narrow bandwidth I'm sorry you're just not good enough I'm sorry Mm. you're of no worth you're of no service to us so you don't belong in society and so then this the labeling as you said I think right at the very beginning begins to actually separate and they themselves feel that separation and then they then also it reinforces for them a belief that not just I have some differences, but now I'm deficient.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally agree with all of that and that we could dive even deeper. And I think we will do like a maybe a series on these particular things. Oh, I think a great idea. We can talk into, forever on this. <laughs> well, totally. In, into... The, the elements of what labelling does actually like cause for mm. the deficiency of the human physical form, right? Yes. And um, the, the even self-worth is still a label, but the diminishing components that labelling actually does create mm-hmm. for the human being or the homo, sap- homo sapien mm. in the physical form, in the neurological form, Mm. and in societal form too as well and being able to bring awareness to me to to this is actually like something that's deep to my heart and it's Mm. it's not only with humans it's also with animals too as well so um being able to bring that awareness of how we actually project onto others relative Mm. to our perceptions is what is creates like the laws of there is a law universal law Mm -hmm. the laws of diminishing returns and it's entropic in nature and it creates death Mm. physics and so when we have an awareness like at that like that to me micro layer but also with the macro in it we can we can understand and comprehend of our part in the co-creation of these particular homo sapiens on the planet and what we're actually bringing and doing to them but i don't i i'm I'm struggling to actually in my work to actually see how we can go bring this awareness much deeper and have a change occur Mm. to for all human beings to be able to come to an open heart and to love all human beings as they are in their form. And this is what drives me every single day. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and and it is a challenge, right? Because whilst we can potentially work on being open-hearted to something we previously judged, at the same time we're going into judgment somewhere else about mm-hmm. something else. Yeah, <laughs> which Doesn't... you know, that's it's part of the evolution, right? It's part of that cycle. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps, Kelly, rather than getting to how can we get to the place where all human beings love all people, perhaps we can get to the place where all human beings have the awareness yeah. that they are in judgment of others and will therefore work towards understanding others and therefore themselves beautiful beautiful thank you nicole and i've <laughs> got to
0: leave it on that beautiful oh. affirmation that was just divine so thank you oh, thank, thank you for Kelly. joining me today and Nicole, you know, you have such a depth of wisdom and knowledge. And um, I know you love to be able to really help humans as well too. So how for my for the listeners of the human source code, how can they get in contact with you if they wish to actually, you know, have a consult or to be able to mm-hmm. jump onto one of your programs? Or even just have a conversation with you.
1: Yeah, I would I would invite anybody to come and have a conversation. Uh, really easy place to find me is on Instagram at Nicole HD. Yes, it's Nicole HD uh, for Nicole Hewitt Donaldson. Um, and if you prefer to, you know, uh, sorry, on there there's a there's a bio link, and in there you can see book a discovery call, um, and that's that's no obligation. That's just have a chat. But if you prefer to just send me an email feel free to nicole at nicolehd.com and uh, we can have a little chat that's i'd love to hear from anybody who is getting really curious and thinking oh this is either piqued interest in them or they're looking for some support and challenge and under deeper understanding of themselves and others beautiful
0: well thank you and we'll actually have nicole's details in the show notes that you can also click onto those particular links to as well so thank you nicole and we will be doing more of these. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love
1: loved it. So thank <laughs> you for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. That's wonderful. Thank you. Bye.